0: Today, I want to talk about living generously. 11 out of the 39 parables that Jesus told were about money. He understood that if we are to grow more like Him, then we must grow in our heart in generosity. Jesus gave Himself on the cross for you and for me. God is the ultimate giver. And therefore, whenever I teach on this, I always like to say, I'm doing this not because of what we want from you, but because of what we want for you. Generosity is part of living as a Christian. Now, I know these are challenging times and financially challenging for many. So today, don't worry. I don't wanna pressurize anybody. I just want all of us to have the opportunity to know the blessing of generous living. So today is not about the number given, but about the number of givers. We all can know the discipline and the dignity of giving. Martin Luther said that we need three conversions, a conversion of the heart, conversion of the mind, and a conversion of the wallet. But it's also good to give because we're a family on a mission and an exciting mission at that, that becomes a reality only when each one of us plays our part and we all need to do three things to pray, to serve, and to give. And last week I spoke about the vision of HTBB. If you've not watched that talk, please uh, do so. It's on our YouTube channel. And today you can help make that vision become a reality. Thank you for being such a generous congregation. All the ways in which you pray, serve, and give. And to encourage you, and for anybody who's new watching this today, let's just take a look at this little video, at some of the things that we've been able to do over this lockdown period. Let's take a watch. Hey everybody, welcome. Welcome to HTVB Online. If you'd like to know more about some of the facts and details of what we do as a church, then just scan the QR code right now and you'll get an info sheet on what's been happening. I'd love to read to you a passage right now that St. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, encouraging them to give. And in this passage, this letter, he gives them reasons to be generous. So I'm going to read from uh, 2 Corinthians Chapter nine, beginning at verse six. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should give what they've decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, people will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So why should we live generously? Number one, giving is an act of worship. How we use our money and what we spend it on shows what we truly value in life. It it shows what we actually worship. Your bank statement is an x-ray of your heart. Now, in the Old Testament, people distinguish between tithes and offerings. In Malachi 3.10, we read this. The Lord says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Tithes were a regular act of worship whereby people would give 10% of the fruit of their labor to the temple. And then offerings were given on top of that when people felt prompted by God to give over and beyond to a particular need such as, say, repair work on the temple. And then when we get to the early church in New Testament times, they realized that they were no longer under law and they were free to give whatever. But rather than saying, oh, we we don't have to give the tithe now, we can give less, they felt free to actually give more. So I think think of 10% as the sort of floor rather than the ceiling of our giving because Jesus certainly expected people to give at least the tithe. We read in uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and scribes, he said this, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a 10th, that's the tithe, of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former and the wonderful thing about tithing is that you don't have to be wealthy to do it every one of us can give 10% and make a difference in mizoram in northeast india they have something called bufai it means a handful of rice and, and what the families of the churches in Mizoram began to do was every time they went to cook a meal, before pouring the rice into the cooking pot, they'd take one handful of rice and set it aside. Next time they went to cook, before they cooked, they'd take another handful of rice, tam, and set it aside. Then they'd take all the rice that they'd set aside and they'd take it to the church. The church would collect all of these tithes of rice, as it were, and then they'd sell the rice on the market. What was the result? Well, in in spite of the fact that Mizoram is the poorest state in India, all of the churches now are financially self-sufficient. And what's more, they've raised enough money to send 2,500 missionaries overseas. And of the 900,000 Mesos that live in that area, 95% are now Christian. Wow. Sarah and I give the majority of our giving to HTBB. We've given to a project in Africa as well for many years, but the vast majority goes to HTBB. Why? Well, there's lots of other amazing people who will give to lots of fantastic charities out there. But generally speaking, only people at HTBB will give to the mission of HTBB. It's our part, our responsibility to fund this exciting vision. And and we, uh, we give to the church at the start of each month, rather than waiting to see what's left in the account at the end of the month. The tithe was meant to be the first fruits, not the last fruits, but it is always worship. The second reason to give is it's the best long-term investment that you can make. In verse six, uh, Paul writes, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Like the harvest, giving is like planting a seed. And we reap always more than we sow. But if we sow a stingy amount, we'll reap a stingy amount. We can't take our money with us after this life, but we can give it forward and invest in an unshakable kingdom at a time when everything else in the world is shaking. Hebrews twelve twenty eight says that we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And when we invest in this kingdom, our return is guaranteed. It is unshakable, and it is eternal. Thirdly, giving should be fun. Giving should not be forced or grudging, but voluntary and cheerful. In verse 7, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. The word there in the original text for cheerful is hilaros, from which we get our word hilarious. And generosity leads us to happiness. I don't know about you, but I've never met a generous person who wasn't cheerful. And the opposite is true. I've never met a miser who wasn't miserable. In fact, that's what the word miserable means, miserable. And today, as we give, you can have fun. Fourthly, giving takes away the burden of financial worry. I wonder, are you gripped by worry. Verse eight, Paul says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Giving doesn't mean that we hand over financial responsibility to God. We we still have to be responsible but it does mean handing over the worry and burden of money to God. Giving sets you and me free, as it shows that money is not our idol, that we trust a higher power, God himself. And fifthly, being generous enriches you. When God invites us to give, he's appealing uh, not just to our emotions, but also to our reason. Verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will have enough to give generously and God will be praised and thanked. And it transforms our character. In verse 10, he says, it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness It helps free us from the constricting grip of materialism that can destroy lives. But we have to keep giving to remain free from this grip. When Sarah and I uh, lived in Oxford in the UK, uh, the house that we lived in, um, there was a window at the front that uh, led onto the living room. But just outside that window was a bush. And this bush always grew very quickly. And I had to keep on cutting it back, keep on pruning it back to stop it growing over the window. I remember one day I I sat down in the living room and suddenly realized that the room seemed, although it was daylight, a lot darker than normal. And I realized it was because the bush had grown again across the window. And as I stood up, I realized that the bush also sort of obstructed my view. So I couldn't see outside into the world clearly. I had to cut it back again. And this is a bit like a picture for giving. When we stop giving, it's like the living room of our heart grows a little bit darker and wealth begins to obstruct our ability to see the outside world as God sees it. But every time we give, we cut that bush back once again. Give generously and regularly and it enriches us. Sixthly, uh, giving inspires others. Verse 13, Paul says, because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, people will praise God. They'll praise God. Our giving leads others to thanksgiving and worship. And this is for every one of us. God doesn't measure the size of your wallet. He measures the size of your heart. Seventhly, giving meets people's needs. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Your giving really does help meet the needs of of many. Thank you for the way that you practically help uh, families through, for example, the the food bank initiatives, but also the greatest need of people, as I said last week, is to hear the good news, to know the love of God and forgiveness and life through Jesus. And that's why we need giving to continue to be able to do church, to do our services, physically in the building and online, to run Alpha and to help invest in the work of Alpha around the region. And as we meet people's needs, we are blessed and we encounter Jesus. In Matthew uh, 25, Jesus says, you know, every time you feed the hungry, you clothe the naked, you uh, visit the sick, you visit a prisoner. He said, every time you do this for one of the least of these, you do it for me in the 4th century A.D. Martin of Tours, originally a Hungarian, but then entered the Roman army. He was posted to France. And one evening, he was on his horse in a terrible storm, riding into the city of Tours. And just outside was a beggar, cold and freezing in the rain and the mud. And as he rode into that city, uh, this young captain stopped his horse, took his sword, cut off half of his cloak, and gave it to the beggar to keep him warm. And then he went into the city. That night, Martin went to bed, fell asleep. And as he slept, he had a dream. And in that dream, he saw a vision of Jesus walk into his room. And Jesus was wearing that half a cloak that he'd given to the beggar outside. Martin immediately woke. And although at that point, not a Christian, he dropped to his knees and gave his life to the Lord and said, I want to follow you. The next day he got baptized and that began a journey of him becoming a bishop. You see, yes, the poor need our giving, but we need them because as we help them and give, we encounter Jesus Christ and the love of God afresh. Eighth reason is that giving is the evidence of real faith. Giving is an act of obedience, which as verse 13 says, should accompany your confession of the gospel of Christ. Giving is an act of trust, which says it's God who ultimately provides for our needs. And also when we give, it opens up our lives and our heart to receive more blessing. It may be financial, but often it's spiritual. I I remember this one time when our children were really small, we went to this party and there were loads of little toddlers uh, uh, all together on the floor and there were lots of toys put out for them. And I remember seeing this one young girl, she picked up two little toys one in each hand, and she just wouldn't let go of them. And then she saw this big toy in the middle of the room, and she sort of waddled over to it, and she wanted to pick it up, but she couldn't because she still had the toys in her hand. And she took quite a while to think about it, but eventually she let go of the toys, smiled, and picked up the new toy in the middle of the room. It's a little bit like that, as we give, it opens up our lives more and more to receive the blessing of God. The ninth reason to live generously is that when you give, you become a stakeholder in the church. In verse uh, 13, uh, Paul talks about your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. When I was a university student, I uh, shared a house with some other students and it meant that I shared in the bills, paying the bills with them for that house. And quite right, why? Because I also shared in the benefits of being part of that little community. And likewise at HTBB, whenever we hear testimonies of people coming to faith, of being healed, or like last week, hearing about people about to be ordained, we share in the joy and the blessing And giving to HTBB will help increase your commitment and feel like you're more part of the family. As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your wallet, not the other way around. So if you want to feel like HTBB is your spiritual home, then give. And then finally, the 10th reason (laughs) why we should give generously is because giving is a response to God's gift to you. In verse 15, Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God's indescribable gift is his son, Jesus, given for you and for me. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him sh- shall not perish, but have eternal life. God is the giver. We can't outgive God, but we can respond in thanks and generosity. And actually, we're only sh- stewards of any resource that we have anyway. God has created everything in this universe he owns every molecule every atom everything is his as he says through the prophet haggai all the silver is mine and all the gold is mine think of it a bit like this this is a wallet and in the wallet is 50 ringgit now the 50 ringgit is placed in the wallet the wallet has the money but the 50 ringgit doesn't belong to the wallet no the money belongs to the one who owns the wallet you and i we're the wallet and we belong to christ we've put our faith in him we are part of God's family. And he gives us any money that we have to look after for him and to do with it as he chooses. And giving is a test of our stewardship. And as Jesus said, to those who can be faithful with a little, will be faithful with much. So why don't we take a moment now to pray and maybe to Ask if the Lord wants to release you in this this joy, this blessing of giving. So let's just pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you touch our hearts afresh? Thank you, Father Almighty, that you are the ultimate giver. You gave us your son. Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life, that we might know freedom, forgiveness, and eternal life in you. Holy Spirit, would you touch us afresh and show us, open up our hearts and our wallets to know how we can respond in worship and generosity. (laughs)